Okay. What's up, guys? Welcome, welcome to Technocast, uh, episode number two. Today, I have the big honor to present a good friend of mine here in Lisbon, brother Morten. What's up, what's up, what's up? What's up, Danny boy? Thank good you to, for having me. Good to have you, man. Good to have you. Uh, well, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time and doing this with us. It's going to be a good time. Uh, how are you, bro? How are you feeling today? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I just came back to Lisbon after touring in America in a, in a good month. So I'm a little bit jet lagged, but I'm good. How are mm -hmm. you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm about to go on tour tomorrow, Taiwan, then America. So jet lag is, is part of the whole deal. Bro. It's part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you deal with jet lag? Um, well, I've, feel like I was giving advices that I don't want to think about it and just sleep whenever I need to. But, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't really follow that advice. I try to... Everyone uh, does different tricks. Yeah. Everyone does differently, I think. Yeah, but, but the thing is, jet uh, lag is not so much about being tired. It's more like your inner clock is just messed up. So you just feel exhausted at random times. Exactly. You know? I think there is nothing worse, bro, than going to play a show and feeling on the opposite schedule because when I for instance when I go to America and I play a show you play in LA for instance nine hour time difference bro I want to go to sleep like I'm playing the show the first show and I'm dead tired like yeah. I'm literally like my head is going down for me that's the worst feeling yeah to be honest with you like now I've been one one month now in in America based in out of LA touring in America so now coming back to jet lag is tough but Honestly, I've been so much back and forth, America, Europe, Asia mm -hmm. this year that my body don't even know what time zone I'm in. So jet lag. That's, that's what I was going to say. Because like yeah. I, you're going Asia, Europe, States, like yeah. all the, like a lot, like more than usual. This yeah, year. more than anyone, I yeah. think. Like, yeah. I mean, for me, honestly, bro, like that's probably like the worst thing. I can do a lot of shows. I can do a lot of flights. But like the actual jet lag is what kills me, honestly, like yeah, a lot. It's, it's, just, it's not good. Yeah. Also, you know, like there's some dynamics, like there's some hormones that we develop in the morning when we see the sunlight. There's some mm -hmm. hormones that we develop when we sleep, you know, like uh, melatonin and so on. Yeah. And, and these hormones gets out of balance. That's why our body feels tired and, and we're mentally, you know, like... Close to you burning feel out upside sometime. down completely, like the other way around. Right now, I'm good because I've been in the same time zone for yeah. a month. But it, during the summer, into the summer, it's a little bit like yeah, yeah. yeah I've yeah. been in six countries in in five days. I'm like, well, where am I going? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean, bro. Yeah, but cool. Yeah, uh, bro. How how do you start? How long ago? When when do you start doing music? Damn, that's gonna make me sound old. Two thousand? Um, no, bro. So I started in a youth club when I was 13, uh -huh. and there was this uh, guy from New York, this um, this cool guy. He was teaching some young people to be a DJ. You could be a photographer or you could learn different things, and I joined his DJ class. Mm -hmm. Back then, we were using turntables, mm -hmm. and then if you became good at it, you could you could play the monthly party in front of 500 kids that were 13 years old which was uh, of course back then uh, unbelievable mm -hmm. and back then we didn't have djs like this you know like it was it was not really a thing um mm -hmm. so i started with that and i came from a musical background my dad has always been very musical and i played in bands drums i played a flute and, and all this so i pretty pretty fast picked up the whole dj thing and mm -hmm. i and i loved it back then 
we didn't play so genre-based. We played Tupac and then we played JD Plastic Dreams mm -hmm. and old school techno and like this yeah. all over the place, you know. And uh, I loved it. And when I was 16, um, my mom and dad got divorced. And when my mom moved out to another house, she bought me a DJ booth to like, okay, when we are moving out, I'm buying you this, mm -hmm. you know. How, so, how old were you back then? 16. 16. So I'm 41 today. So this is. Yeah, you've been around for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so I've been bro. DJing for 28 years. Holy shit, bro. That's crazy. It's a yeah. long time. I've been DJing for 12 years and it feels a lot, but you've been around for a long time. Yeah, bro. so so that's that's a, a long time, right? Um, how, how was the scene back then? Because this is something I also asked Yumek last time because he's been around for a long time. He's a legend. And yeah. Like, I remember how the scene was when I started, like from that moment, like the labels and the tracks and the artists I looked up to, but how was like the scene in general when you started? What was so when I came out as a DJ, I, I, I didn't came out with making music. So I was a DJ. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was like the normal DJs are today. Okay. The one that play in the club from 10 o'clock to five in the morning. And for that DJ, it's about to keep the floor going. You cannot lose the floor, right? Exactly. So back then, you you have to fill the floor and play dynamic, and you have to think about when you throw the bombs, when you play the big songs. So you used to play all night longs back in the day. Yeah, and I would I would play the pre party at eight o'clock to eight in the morning. We play. That's amazing, bro. Because that, that's, the, that's the way to to learn how to DJ and read properly the crowd. And back then, it was on vinyls. You know, I remember I used to have a friend with me, and he would get a bottle of vodka. Uh, that I got for playing yeah. if he carried the vinyls for me because uh -huh. they were heavy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we started to use CDs a little bit and that became more accessible to burn CDs. Mm -hmm. So then I started to play vinyls and CDs. It was way easier. Back then there was a lot of feedback. This is the issues that we as DJs today would never think about. But back then when we played a vinyl, there was a, always a huge problem if when you put the vinyl on, it would be like, because there would be problems. Yeah. So very nice to put in a CD. And the CD we would buy, but we would also make them ourselves. We are burning on the computer. Of course, of so course. we would make three, four hours waiting to download a song, hoping yeah. it was the right yeah. quality. Yeah. Burn the CD, burn the record on the CD and play it in the club. And there would always be like effects and uh, things mm -hmm. going wrong. But this was a part of it. Yeah, so I started back then, and um, then I got into making music, and that, then my career took a completely different direction. And uh, so you started DJing first, making music yeah, afterwards. Yeah, came from DJ yeah. background. Likewise, me too, me too. Started making music and then producing. I actually started as well with the. I I, I miss the vinyl area because I started twelve years ago, so it wasn't it wasn't like that much of a thing when I started. Yeah. Even though I've tried, I, I I can play a little bit, but I used to remember. I remember used to burn a bunch of CDs, lose them all the time when I used to yeah. play, find the, the artwork on top and like burn it again, you know? And like, and then, you know, we got the USB sticks and it was like a miracle, bro, because I was literally losing all the fucking CDs all the time. But yeah, yeah, but, but, the, but it's fun for me to see that now vinyls are having a revival and it's like yeah. a cool thing to do. Yeah, I still buy vinyls once in a while. When I go to stores and I find like a record that I would like, I still buy it, not to play, just to like have it. Yeah. Like, I still play once in a while at home, but like. But for us back then, when we came from vinyls, it was cool to move into CDs. Yeah, right. So yeah. now it's fun to see the other way around. Exactly. And back then we could mix vinyls together with the, you know, we would 
close our eyes and we just knew. Yeah. We could look at the vinyl and almost just feel how was the tempo. It was the easiest thing on the planet. Yeah. Like, today, uh, I'm a bit rusty, so I need to get into it. But yeah. we used to scratch and do all these things. That's you know? great, man. Yeah, That's great. Cool. That's great. Um, I saw, actually looking at some stuff today, you used to be a teacher back in the days, right? Not a teacher, but I always been working a lot. So while I was starting as a DJ when I was 16, 17 years old, I would have a daytime job. Uh, I would go to the high school and then I would have a daytime job working in the kindergarten. Okay. Or I would, and I think that's what you think I was yeah, a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah. kindergarten. And then teacher, I yeah. did that for like a year. And then I would have a daytime job working in a supermarket to clean the supermarket uh -huh. or in a kiosk or I would even be in a phone service, pick up the phone. I always worked a lot. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. Yeah, that's I, crazy. I always did that that's a lot. That's crazy. Um, When do you think was music wise your most difficult year? Uh, it can be any any year, like a year that you truly like struggle, and you were like, like I don't know if this is gonna work for me. Like uh, when you saw yourself going through like a deep, like a tough moment. Yeah, I, I, I mean that's that's a that's a different question, um, mm -hmm. and and I I I think that a lot of artists um, go through periods in their in the career where they feel a little bit out of place and a little bit discouraged. Um, and uh, I definitely had a, a few years, uh, I would say four or five years ago, living in LA, where I, I was completely lost. I was all over the place. I was trying to produce for other rec uh, other artists to, to make a living. And yeah. I had a hard yeah, time. Before. Yeah. yeah, and I had a hard time finding out what was the right sound for me. So I was trying to make dubstep. I was making hip hop beats. I was went to Studio 808 Mafia, did a lot of stuff for, for hip-hop artists, and I was just all over the place. And there I was very confused, and it was very difficult for me to see a path where I would be like, oh, okay, I, I, this is how I'm going to get my music heard all over the world, mm -hmm. uh, which has always been a goal for me. I wanted my music to be global. I had a beautiful career in the country. I came from Denmark, so once I was kind of the guy there, I wanted to exit Denmark and have my music go globally. So you started getting bigger in Denmark first. Yeah. And then outside afterwards. Yeah, but less, right? really struggling for many of years. Course. It was, of course. It was not easy. Right, of course. When do you think your career started to um, to take the, the way that, you know, you were like, okay, I have a good feeling, like things are working out. Like I stopped listening to everyone. And <laughs> I just made yeah. music that I love. I love that, bro. I love yeah, that, bro. so that was basically the thing. The record label, everyone told me, ah, this is not going to work. Don't do this and that. I love that, man. I can relate to that like crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, like, and, and I was at that time, um, I, I, want, I was living in LA and there was this kid called Solomon King. Mm -hmm. He's a producer who play a... Um, uh, El Guitar, and he's an amazing producer doing dubstep. Uh, but I, I think he was struggling a little bit with his career. But I heard some of his production. I was really triggered by it. And mm -hmm. I, I called his manager and said, hey, uh, I, I, I'm in LA. You know, do you think I can sit with Solomon? I'm very inspired by some of his sounds, and maybe he can help me develop mm -hmm. what I'm doing. And he was like, sure, come out and meet us. And I went in the valley, and <clears throat> for like... Three weeks, I went in studio sessions with Solomon uh, a lot, and he was super talented. And he kept playing me the stuff he's working on for himself. And it was a little bit 
out of place of how the sound was at the moment, but he was his own thing and he kind of didn't change it. And I didn't feel like it connected, mm -hmm. but he just sticked to his lane. Okay. And suddenly it was just his time. Yeah. And he didn't change. And then he went through the roof and now he's a superstar in America I selling 10,000 tickets every venue he goes. So you, you never know when's your time. No, obviously. but he was, but he's very talented, but it was yeah. just nice to see he didn't follow trends. Yeah. And that's kind of what was, uh, nice for me was that I was making some records, some very rough ideas that I loved, mm -hmm. but they didn't fit in the sound. In 2017, 18, everything was super EDM and big and it, it couldn't get bigger sound-wise and, and energy-wise. And I really didn't, I didn't like that that much, mm -hmm. that whole when EDM went too crazy. Yeah. And so I, I made a few records and I played them for David Guetta and immediately he was like, whoa, I love this. And then yeah, and we started Future Rave. But but that was a product of me going back to the music that I was successful with ten years earlier in Denmark. Of course. And me going make going into a space where I was making music that I didn't listen to anyone around me, just hey, I like this, I'm doing this. Yeah, no, but that's what I was saying. Like I can relate to that because when I started main stage techno, like the first thing that was in my head, and we actually talked about in the beginning when I was starting the project, you remember, and I was like you know, bro, I have this new sound I'm creating. I remember I was on holidays those days and I was messaging you. Uh, it's called Main Stage Techno. And you were like, the most important thing first of all is to have a sound. That's the first thing, the most important thing to have a sound. But when I started Main Stage Techno, I started it listening to a lot of people, right? A lot of different feedbacks, a lot of different people I would send records to. And I would say the first year I was a little bit like, not all over the place at all because I was not, I had, a, I had the whole project in my head, but I was doing turns. And then when I stopped listening to people and I just started to follow me and of course my team, you know, my boys and everything, then that's when I was like, this is it. This is working so much better. You yeah, know? and then probably you, you had one or two things that were a little bit, that you were getting a successful reaction that made you confident and you're like, okay, that's it. And a lot of times that's what we need. Exactly. You know, it's a little bit of confidence, someone yeah. to tell you, hey, you, you're, you're on the right path. Exactly. Okay, I get this. I see a lot of producers that are very uh, discouraged and they're like, they are yeah. very, very talented, but they're not that confident. Yeah. If you give them confidence, they will shine. For they're sure. gonna be like, oh, sure. wow. So all you gotta do is sit next to them and tell them, listen, I've heard some of your stuff. This I love, it's amazing. Why yeah. don't you, why, why are you moving away from what you're really good at? Why don't you make more of yeah. that? That's why I know you and why I fell in love with what you're doing. And also bro, I think following trends, I was the first one that was following trends for years. Like for years, my whole career, I was like doing something that I personally liked a lot, but it was what a lot of other people were doing. And then when I decided to make the switch, you know, right after COVID and I started making Sage Techno, I was the first one, of course, you know, taking out like all the legends and everyone that's been playing techno for a long time, but everyone, the first one, that made the switch before techno got this huge, like nowadays with this huge wave and stuff. And I just decided to do something before everyone was jumping in because now everyone is jumping in the trend, which is great. Everyone's trying to do techno, this and that. But when I did it, everyone was like, Danny, you're crazy. Like, you're crazy. It's not going to work. But I had a feeling it was going to work and I just followed what I thought. And I was not following trends. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, in your example, bro, you have not been following trends at all the past four years. You did whatever you had here. 
Yeah, and I'm going to continue that way. And that's the key. But it's it's a risk. It's a lot of different factors that you need to do right to be able to work. But in the end, you just have to follow your your instinct. And that's what I did. And since I've been talking to you, bro, like you've been doing like that plus 100 because you've been just like this, doing your own thing for all these years. Yeah, and, and, and you know, like it... it, it, it it, I think we are, we are in the same situation in a way where you, when you and me, we go into a festival, we don't really look at who's playing before or after exactly. us because I play my own music. Man, it, that, that happened for me three, four years ago. Before, I was worried yeah, all the time. but I don't really care because yeah. the, the guy before me, he cannot play my song and yeah. it's not going to be David yeah. Guetta who plays it, before exactly. me. Exactly. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but so I don't, I don't care. You know, whoever plays before me, I don't care because I'm yeah. playing my own sound. You know, that's a uh, good feeling. Yeah, uh, and I think it's important. And I think the the people who listen to to your music, they like to be a part of the journey and and see that you're you're bringing something original to the table. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but it's super important, bro. What you just said, playing your own records. I wasn't playing my own music years ago, and I mean, when you play a set. I think the last set I saw from you was in Germany. Everyone and I was like, you know, what I like the most man is just playing his own shit. And that's what makes a difference. And now when I prepare a set, you know, for a festival, whatever, 90% of my set is my music. And I think that's the ultimate goal, like for everyone to understand that you have to play your music. Yeah. Like, but I would also say now I've been playing my own music like heavy for the last two, three years. Uh -huh. I enjoy starting to play other people's music. Because again you've more. done it. Yeah. I played it a lot, you know, and, and I, I noticed like going in and checking my playlist, I'm like, Ah, you know, I play this, I play this, I play this. Yeah. I want to freshen it up now. And I know what you mean, more, of course. But more. then time to make even more music to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, sure, you but you know, touring a lot, it also puts a little bit of limit on the time in studio. So it is winter. I'm happy. I'm not touring that much so I can get a lot of music ready for. Of course, for of, year, course right? of course, of yeah. course. How do you think, bro, um, you know, you just mentioned the era where EDM was going too big. That's when I decided to to leave actually because it was I didn't feel related to that to that whole thing, and I think there were some years where talent didn't really play a big role into how your career was doing. Do you think nowadays, like we're in a moment right now where talent, like actual talent, like being able to have talent to be able to play good sets, to be able to have a vision for music, to be able to have a good product, is talent essential to have a product nowadays or not so much? I don't, I don't think that it's my job to judge who is successful if they have a talent or not. But I can tell you that how the trends are going right now, it creates a little bit of the same pattern that we saw with when the EDM bubble bursted. And that, I think, is a little bit worried. It worries me a little bit. Nowadays. Yeah, it worries me a little bit. Now the music is, is getting a little bit... Too similar? I I feel feel like that what we did with Future Wave and using David Guetta as such a big platform and inf influence people so heavily, like the biggest DJ in the world do, mm -hmm. with coming out with records where people were blown away, like how is David Guetta a part of producing this? I didn't know he had this sound in him. That I feel like we influenced a lot of really huge underground acts and the scene and the dance scene in general that we went back to a place where we could play really, really cool and fresh, new, unreleased music, all of us again. Yeah. I'm a little worried that the scene 
too fast, forgot where we were, and now everyone is just playing mashup and mashups yeah. and mashup of old song yeah. just to get that reaction again of who has the most excitement and hands in the air. That's what happened years ago. That's what happened. And we really took it back and brought in fresh music. And a lot of people are still doing that, but I'm a little worried. Yeah, that you need I, to do that to please and to make people yeah, like, satisfied. That, that, that people are going into that space again where they just want to kill the slot that they're playing from four to five at the festival and play all the hits they can and all the old songs as a hit again in a new remix and then they don't care about anything else. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. And that's, that, yeah. that can, that can take a little bit of the excitement away from electronic music, I think, but yeah. let's see, it's not yeah. my job to, to yeah, judge yeah. this. No, I know, I know what you mean, bro. I know what you mean. I mean, we saw it like a couple of years ago where, you know, we had to like put vocals on top of stuff to be able to, to make it work, you know, but I know, I know exactly what you mean, man. Um, I want to ask you about future rave because so when when I started having a vision for for main stage techno, I had it all in my head. I knew like how I wanted the sound to work, how I wanted like the the, the drops to be, the the sounds that I wanted. To, I had it in my head. I just had to like put it together. I even told my team, my friends, like I I need this energy with this you know sort of structure, this and that. Do you had it? Did you have it in your head? before you started, you have a setup, like a plan in your head when you started like the whole project? Um, no, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the reason why I worked is that there wasn't a plan. Everything came with the flow. Mm -hmm. So the name Future Rave was, was like, I was annoyed that our music was put in a genre on Beatport called Big Room or whatever they mm -hmm. put in. I was like, this is not Big Room music. We come with something fresh, we come with something new, And it's something that all the DJs are playing right now, all the podcasts, everybody we combined have almost streamed a billion yeah. for electronic music. You're crazy. Like everyone listens to it. Yeah. And I told David, I'm angry. I, I don't want to be in this big room genre on Beatport. We yeah. need our own genre. And then out of the blue, it was like, ah. But they did it, right? They, they No, they didn't. They call it main stage. They call I was going to say, I was actually not happy about that either because, well, it just mixes a lot of stuff that I don't agree to. Yeah. I don't think it's right. Yeah, but 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 uh, but okay. I, I, now yeah. I don't care. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at that time, so I was like, we should have our own genre, and this is like rave, like for the future. It should be called Future Rave. Yeah. And Dave was like, I love that name. So I was like, yeah. okay, we call it Future Rave. Yeah. And it was cool because it gave us like an identity, and it gave us something that we could support. You can brand it. And brand without supporting ourselves. So I remember David; he was playing like a live stream set in Miami with like thousands of people watching online mm -hmm. like re really a lot of people you know and he wear a future rave t-shirt for the first time and we were like oh my god he's really wearing it it's like this is how you build a brand because everyone was like holy shit future rave this is sick we love future rave and i was like i love future rave too yeah so you can't go out and push yourself in a way saying i love myself yeah but you can push a brand like this yeah. i love future rave and in the end of the day When future both of you created, guys, of course, it comes back to us. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was very nice, you know. And then we started, you know, my my manager, who's also my partner in this project, we started developing in merch and sent to David, you like this, and what do you think of that? And and we just got really excited, and and we we were like, okay, we have something that is unique, you know. Exactly. We, we're making music that feels fresh and unique, and David is. David Guetta, so he's incredible at getting top lines, mm -hmm. big songs with Ray and with yeah. uh, 
uh, what's his name, Allo Black, you know, is a is big yeah. top lines and and. Yeah, so it was, I think it's it was, a great combination, bro. Sorry to interrupt. I think it's a great combination between a sound that is meant for the dance floor, for clubs and festivals, but also it fits perfectly as well with top lines to make big songs as well. Yeah, but that is David who makes it fit because his way yeah. of writing chords and, and. But it's a good match. Yeah, it could it could be that man. It could easily be that it just does not work, and, and I think it sounds edgy. It sounds good. Like it matches. I I think it's just like it. You know, it's not easy to make something that the masses listen to that is edgy. Exactly. That's hard. That's what I meant, yeah. That's what we all want. We want something credible that everyone loves. Yeah, exactly. That's difficult. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, so we started that. It wasn't planned. And then um, we, we played a show together and a few shows. And then it was like we were kind of a duo playing the sound together, you know. Then uh, David had a, a global hit, maybe his biggest hit he ever had with uh, with uh, I'm Good. Mm -hmm. And I started touring crazy because of what me and David have done together. And it was like, we catched up like every second month, bro, where are you? I'm, I'm like, I'm in Canada. <laughs> and he's like, I'm in Taiwan. How you doing? You know, like yeah. we used to spend hours every day talking because it was pandemic and we can just make music all day long and send ideas. And you remember this, this, that, and meet in Ibiza for three weeks and just make beats, right? But now we are both crazy, crazy uh, busy, which is amazing. Of course. But also it took a lot of our time away from, from spending time together and making music. Of course, man, of course. How do you feel about... Um, the brand, the name being used in other brands and things that are not you and, and David, because I've been having a, a bit of a problem when I created the word main stage techno, I created it in the couch of my other house in Madrid. And I was like, I want to make techno for the main stage. I have this vision and I created and I actually own the rights of main stage techno worldwide. But now I keep seeing... I keep getting promos from big labels, like here's a new main stage techno demo, like all the people trying to like jump aboard. And at some point it's cool because everything adds to the table. But on the other side, I'm like, guys, don't forget, like I started this, yeah. like don't jump on it too much. You yes, know what I mean? I understand. And, and obviously this has been an issue that has not been unseen or not addressed by me because I don't know, there's so many future rave labels right now. And when I play a show, I meet the owner of this future rave label over here telling me, I just want to tell you, we have streamed now 25 million. I want to thank you and yeah. and and this and that. And I see people wearing merch that is definitely not made by us. Uh, and tons of Instagram pages about future rave that has tons of followers and doing really well. And it, it, it I think I changed the energy from being like, Hey guys, why are you feeding off something we created to be like, I'm very thankful. I'm very happy. These people are actually endorsing what we started because if they didn't, no one would really care. Yeah. But they care so much. Yeah. They want to be a part of it and they believe in what we are doing so much. They want to benefit from it financially yeah. and they, they want to be a part of it. Yeah. And this I have to be very happy about and very mm -hmm. honored about. So everyone that, that does these things and create things around future rave, it's not really my enemy. They're not trying to bring me down or take something from me. Yeah. They're just putting fuel on what I'm doing. And yeah. if I'm afraid of being heard or I'm not comfortable with other people taking and using it, I just need to make so much noise mm -hmm. that nobody for sure is that's is in 
nobody is it's like relevant. What is Future Wave? Yeah, that is David Guetta and Morton. Yeah. I know for sure. Yeah, that's my job to make sure that happens. Except for when someone, if someone tries to steal the name, if you would see the name of your brand being copied and done in in a weird way in some places, I guess you wouldn't like it. No, but I have. But then I just got to make so much noise that they don't have a chance. Man. Yeah, yeah, I get <laughs> it. No, but I understand your yeah. position. Yeah. And also you are, uh, you, you are a little bit more, uh, we're all developing, but you're also in a space now where you really want to in, put in concrete, like this is your brand. So it's very important for you. Exactly. And, and it's very important for me too, to protect my brand. But I just think that I, I, I'm trying to feel that If nobody copy you, you're not, you're doing, not doing it right. Yeah, man. For sure. So you got you need people to copy you. Of course. Of course. Okay, bro. Um, how how's it working with, with David? How is uh, the process? How much fun do you have? How how do you feel about it? How much have you learned? How much does inspire working with them? Um Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um When you walk into a session or you send a record to to David Guetta, you know it's uh, the most successful man in in this industry. So you know that he knows exactly what he's doing, and you know that if you bring him something that is not good, he'll it, say it. Yeah, and it's like you just you you need to be on your toes. So I think what I've learned really a lot from working with David is to put the bar high. You know, you really gotta get up early. Uh, to work with a guy like him because he's so good. Um, I I feel like me and him, we have a lot of the same ear when it comes to the sound of electronic music in, in around 2000 and to 2010. We really loved a lot of the same uh, emotions and sounds for that area and that had made things very easy for us because when we share music or we listen to music, we almost always agree. It's always, I love, I love it too. Mm -hmm. So when we are playing back to back, it's always like, let's build the set list. And we just, uh, you make a folder, we put the things there and remove what you don't like, but we always love the same. In the studio session, one thing he's really good with, that I love with him, he's very excited. So he always brings this energy to the room. That's to everyone like, around. Yeah, you'll see him. It's I love like, that. Yeah, and writers and people are like so excited. They just want to create. He has this that's amazing. incredible passion for music that is unseen anywhere. And then he has this, this superhuman power for warm music and for music that has emotions and this Melodies, David Guetta chords mm -hmm. that are just... Incredible. He makes the whole world dance. Yeah. So I learn a lot from him that I always want my music to elevate in an emotional way. Before I worked with David, my music, uh, I, I felt like I was missing that extra dimension of creating emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely something that I try to, from him. to learn from him. Yeah. What's, what's next for, for you guys, for Future Rave? We have two songs. We almost have finished and we're working on a few ideas. I'm going to Denmark to, to spin a session next week okay, good. for stuff we're working on. And, uh, yeah, we, we don't stress. We just want to make music we think is fun. And that's how we started. We wanted to make things that we like. So, I mean, I checked before and brought your 10 songs, some up to 400 million streams. Like, on, yeah, on Spotify, I think. Yeah. And we released what? 
20 together now, so... Amazing, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can take a break now. <laughs> no, no time for break. It's not... I of don't want a break. But, uh, but we, we have... Uh, we released a lot of music, you know? Yeah, so. good stuff, bro, good stuff. Okay. And now I'm doing a lot of music with Morten. I have some collabs I'm working on, and... There's a lot in the works. Yeah. I mean, you have. Well. A, I mean, every time you come here, bro, like you play me so many records. You have a lot of stuff. You're, yeah, same. You're bro. Working. Yeah, I mean, it's a factory, bro. <laughs> non-stop, non-stop. Yeah. yeah, that's good, bro. Uh, we're gonna change it up real quick, and I wanna know because this morning, guys, we did an ice bath because this guy has been introducing like crazy to me the ice bath. Now I can't stop. What are your three favorite things you get from the ice bath? Because Today I did an intense one with you, it was six minutes. And I mean, I feel great. I talked a lot. You said I was going to talk a lot after the ice bath. I did talk a lot. What are your three favorite things of ice baths? So I think that ice bath is going to, it's going to come and take over the world like a revolution and everyone's going to start doing ice baths. As soon as people figure out what I know and how it makes me feel, I think everyone is going to jump on it. I feel incredible. It makes me feel like I'm invincible for getting sick. Like It's like you can't get to me. If someone is sick around me, I don't care. I know I'm not going to get sick. And if I get sick from it, I'll jump in the ice bath and it's going to be gone. So you, my immune system. You're doing something that I'm probably going to start doing soon, which is asking for a bunch of ice at a hotel room and like carrying it inside of the of the bathtub and doing it there. Yeah, I just asked the concierge service to bring me a lot of ice, put the cold water in, and I lay there. Yeah. It's you, nice. You And it helps you to not get sick also? Yeah, but it's, in, in, it's important to understand the dynamic of what. So <clears throat> obviously I'm not a doctor, but how I think it works and how it makes me feel is that when you cool down the body temperature dramatically very, very fast... Then the body goes into a state of shock and it wants to protect you and it wants you to survive. Mm -hmm. So all the blood goes from my feet, my legs, my fingers, my arms and protect my vital organs. And my vital organs are going to send out vitamins and proteins and minerals and what, what so not mm -hmm. to make me strong and make me survive this attack from cooling down that I'm under. Mm -hmm. And that put my immune system on alert. And I feel incredible. I mean, the hours after I done an ice bath, I'm running fast. My brain, my brain is bright. You know, I'm. I'm yeah. I feel energized. I talk a lot. I I, I feel strong. I, I I sleep good at night. Mm -hmm. My whole body is just feeling great. You try to do it as much as you can, almost every day, right? If I could do ice baths every day, I would do it. Yeah. You. you but it's, I would also say this: it gets easier and easier the more you do it. The more you do ice baths, the easier. In the beginning for me, it was very hard, man. I mean, the one we I ev first ever did with you in Bali, do you remember when we were that, like in the south? And that was Uluwatu? a hot one, bro. I was just going to say, that one was not intense. I loved it. And yeah. then we went to the jacuzzi afterwards. Yeah. The one this morning. Yeah, we did one this morning that was cool. And we did six minutes and then we went Another up minute. And waited for six, seven minutes again and then without... And the thing is, if you do 10 minutes, even if I really cannot do it, I will still do it because I will not be on the side. I will still do it. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. competitive, you're, bro. You're a beast with this. But I don't think I don't think I spat is about who does a long time. I think when you get an experience, I've been doing this for years now. I started in 2000, 
I, I think I posted a video about it in 2016 or 17. Uh-huh. I did an ice bath for the first time in LA. Yeah. And I think when you get experienced, you know how it's supposed to feel. So you feel the cold into your core and you're like, it's, it's enough. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have the benefit I need. My body is cooled down so fast to yeah. this point. Now it's time for me to start to feel the yeah. warm. I feel know? that moment where I start to not feel my toes and my fingers. Then I'm like, okay, I have to get out. That's my yeah, yeah. That's well, my signal to get out. for everyone, but <laughs> I'm happy you're loving it, and I hope it inspires a lot of people to start doing it because it's it's, it's truly is a life hack. I feel yeah. like. It's, well, it's, I, ju- I just got one. It's arriving this week, and I mean, you can come anytime yeah, you want. Yeah. We're gonna do it here. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Are they gonna see you every day here? Then I'm gonna use bro. that for sure. It's nice. <laughs> uh, bro, what's been your favorite show this year? My favorite show like this a, year. A show that it doesn't not like a huge show. Like a show that you're like, man, I had the best time because for me a good show sometimes is not the biggest show at all it's a show where i connect in such a good way that i know the next three records i'm gonna play that's for me like the best show and i don't have those feelings that feeling at huge shows you know what i mean yeah uh, yeah i I mean i i I did shows with david Guetta back to back in ibiza at at high which is like the number one club in the world that was pretty amazing yeah Uh, but i would say i played one show in tenerife i forgot what the festival was called i saw that when yeah, to I took off the shirt. <laughs> but, of course, I mean, it's the vibe. Yeah, it's not really my vibe. No, but, no, but it's the vibe, that vibe, you Yeah, know? So, so I came to this festival like in, in, uh, in, in the afternoon, and while the sun was going down, a craze was playing, and I came behind stage, and I was about to go on. I just looked around, and was like, this is fire, man. This is nice. VIPs I next to it. I saw it, I saw it. Everyone around, right? Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And then I went on, and it was like, man... You met the Spanish guy, Quevedo, right? The the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, think yeah, I saw a picture yeah. with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My agent stuff. told me, this guy is, is very good. You should meet He's him. He's great. We actually, like, I know a couple of uh, people that are doing the uh, label stuff for him. He, they okay. say he's a super nice guy, so he, sure. he deserves. I, uh, he, he, I speak as much Spanish as he talk English, so <laughs> we didn't have a big conversation. <laughs> it was more like, hola. Hello. Oh, my God, bro. <laughs> no, um, no, but that place was amazing, and there, that vibe was really, really nice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Saudi Arabia, I played a festival that was called Freak of Nature. I had an unbelievable connection with, with the people in Saudi Arabia for that show. It was so good. Amazing. Yeah. No, but it's, it's interesting, bro, because like I was telling, when I have a great, great show, it's most of the time not the really big ones. I mean, those are great because you're like, wow, you know, but like when I know exactly what I'm going to play without preparing something, yeah. I mean, that's like, okay, then you relax on yeah. stage and you're just like loving every second of yeah. it. But a big, big show sometimes yeah, is like true. tension, uh, right? Also, I, I played a show in, uh, it's called Never See. I played yeah. after uh, Clapton. Mm-hmm. And you know, Clapton, he plays and hold it here, sexy yeah. and nice. Yeah. And for me, it was like, ah, Yeah, like straight that. to the face. Yeah, that was amazing too. Yeah, of course. I yeah. did that one too after Lost Frequencies a few years back. It's great. I mean, Romania is a good place, man. Yeah, great place. Anto is great yeah. too, man. Yeah. Uh, I got a few questions. Last couple, I mean, a bunch of questions the last two, three years about us two making a track together. Yes. What do you think? Should we make something together? It's, it's time now, you think? I think it's time. But what, I mean, bro, I think we should honestly, like, we should just make it for fun, honestly. To just make something for fun, even if it never comes out. Just and to see make, how it goes. I'm down to do that. To make a cool record and destroy the dance floor. Yes. Yeah. Should I'm we do it? S- I'm so down. Let's go, bro. Maybe uh, we do with your with your techno bass line, but we bring it a little bit down in tempo. Mm-hmm. Maybe we make something weird. Let's go. Let's go for it, bro. Let's Good see. chat, bro.
Good thank chat. you for thank you so much for having me. And congrats here, with uh, everything that's going on. And thank and you, I know you have an important message you want to tell your listeners very soon. So uh, I wish you could tell it today, but you can't. Well, it's, I can't because they're gonna <laughs> cut my balls. But you know, you heard it. Soon, it's a it's a it's your a boy good Danny track. has big news coming up. So yeah. everybody gotta get ready. Yeah, guys, thank you for watching. Yeah. Thank you, my brother Morten. Amazing chat, and we'll see you on the next one, boys and girls. Let's go. Thank you, brother.